Hey, it's great to be back, isn't it? We're back! The governor of California once said, I'll be back, and we are. It's nice to have you here in church. Um, there's not many of us. We're keeping to the government rules as best we can. Not many in this room. Uh, many of you online, I want to welcome you this morning. And uh, this morning, I want to not preach on COVID. Do I hear a yay? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I want, to, I want to look, instead of looking around, oh, hello. Are you waving something there? We haven't had our offering. Okay. I'm not going to blame your wife at all. Lord, as we give our offering, Father, we just pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. We give freely and liberally as an act of worship to you. And uh, we just commit this offering and all the money and how it's spent may be to your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're just going to um, pass that around. Thank you for alerting me of that, Tim. Um, I didn't want to look sideways all the time and look at, I was thinking of Peter, I preached a, a few weeks ago on Peter, you know, getting out of the boat and he's, he, was, he had his eyes fixed on Christ and then all he could see around him was the storm and stuff and he began to sink. And I think even Christians at the moment, all they're seeing is the storm that's out there and I think it's time to look forward, not backwards, don't you? Or not around us as well. So if you have a Bible, please open to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you've got this memorized, verses 4 to 6, then good luck to you. I want to talk today about living stones. Not Jonathan living stone, but living stones. Stones that are alive. And um, because that is what God is building his church of. And I believe throughout this COVID time, okay, we might not have many in the room, but I believe God is building his church right now. Do you? I believe that. You know, I, I, uh, we're not in retreat, we're in advance. And uh, I've, I've been meeting with some other pastors, very discouraged by all of these uh, uh, things that are, are being dropped on us all the time. And it is very discouraging. It makes church harder work than it should be because it should be a joy. But I'm telling you, through all this, God is building his church. Do I hear an amen? amen. Good. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. It says this, As you come to him, a living stone... <clears throat> rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. We were just singing about a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be, pushed, will not be put to shame. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we study this passage that you will open it up to us, that we will see our role as living stones in your living building, and ask that you would just speak to us out of your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about the spiritual building, because as you know, we're, we're trying to build in there at Nambour, and, and um, we're going to build real soon. Um, but God is building his building today. He is building his building all over the world, and the great news is you're a part of it. Peter's not just talking about each individual coming to Christ, but corporately us coming to him in this incredible building of which we are living stones. So God is taking living stones, you and I, that have life because of the cornerstone, which is the original living stone, which is Jesus Christ, and he is building a spiritual house. And he's not just building a house, it's his house. And he wants us to fit snugly and perfectly into that building. There's a famous story told at one time about the Spartans. I don't know if you know who the Spartans are. You think they're people who don't have much 
possessions or something, but they were a group of Greek people who had not much possessions. But they, they were great warriors. And there was a visiting monarch visited the king of Sparta one time, and he was walking around, and the king of Sparta started talking about the walls of Sparta, the walls of Sparta, the walls of Sparta. And the king said to him, look, I'm looking around. I can't see any walls. He said, where are these walls you are talking and boasting so much about? And the Spartan king pointed to his bodyguard of magnificent Spartan troops. He said, these are the walls of Sparta and every man of them a brick. And that's what it's like in the kingdom of God. We are the walls. We are the bricks that make up the walls. So today, I want to prove to you, no matter what your background, that you are not a rock discarded on the scrap heap. That no matter your background, you are a living stone, not just another brick in the wall, all in all, but you are a living stone. God will shape you, test you, knock off a few rough edges, but he does it because he has a plan and a place where you fit in his house snugly, where you add to what's going on. So in 1 Peter 2 verse 4, let's talk about the first living stone. It says this, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. See, Jesus is the first living stone. He's the, he's the original spoken about by Peter. And, and to say living stone, it's a weird thing to say a living stone because a stone by definition is not living. And so it's what we call an oxymoron. Have you heard of that? Now, I thought an oxymoron was an idiot with a blowtorch, but it's not. An oxymoron is, in fact, two seemingly contradictory words put together to make another meaning. Oftentimes, it contradicts the words themselves. For example, jumbo shrimp, deafening silence, military intelligence, an open secret. See, these are all oxymorons. Virtual reality is an oxymoron. Microsoft Works is an oxymoron. <laughs> See, Jesus is that first living stone that Peter tells us he's precious and he's the cornerstone. And he's a living stone. So what does the cornerstone mean? In verse 6 it says this, For, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So it, it begs the question, what is a cornerstone? In biblical times, a carefully selected stone was laid where the two walls of a building would meet. A bit like this. That's a cornerstone right there. More than just a foundation, the cornerstone helped align the building horizontally and vertically and held every line of the building together. So Ephesians 2.20 says it's built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So cornerstone was a pretty big deal. In modern construction, we think about the foundation all the time. But the cornerstone was important in ancient building construction because it kept everything in alignment. I, have you ever... The, the house that, that uh, Fiona and I built and lived in, some things aren't in alignment. Like there are walls and they sort of don't... They're not straight and they kind of sag in the middle and all this sort of stuff modern building techniques were not as intricate as some of the stone techniques that came in the ancient world so while the apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church jesus christ is the cornerstone and we sang about it before now the greek word for cornerstone is the word acrogonias 
And it's a compound word made up of, of the word acron, which is the top or tip, and gonia, which is an angle or corner. In my profession of optometry, when we want to look into the angle of the eye between the iris and the, the uh, cornea, there's a special instrument that we place on the eye that enables us to see in that corner for glaucoma and that sort of stuff. And it's called a gonioscope. So, so agrogonius literally means the tip of the angle and refers to a stone that was set at the corner of the wall so that its outer angle becomes important and all angles in the building are referenced to this one stone. Every part of the building has to reference this one stone. It governed every line and every angle. It didn't provide support or structure or anything like that. Its entire value was in its outer angle. <coughs> now, for years, many years, for centuries, the old prophets talked about cornerstone. And every time they did, they were referring to the Messiah. The coming of the Messiah was called, he was called prophetically cornerstone. Isaiah, for example, Isaiah 28, 16. The Lord God says this, Behold, I am one who has laid a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of sure foundation. And in Psalm 118, verse 22, it says, The stone which the builders refuse has become the headstone or the cornerstone, the headstone of the corner. It says that the stone the Jews would reject would become the very stone upon which God would align every part of his work. Isn't that incredible? It runs right through Scripture. And Paul is saying in this that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's the perfect cornerstone, strong, perfect in character and exact in measurement. And therefore, every line needs to conform to him. Every detail of the building has to conform to that cornerstone. So what if we say, well, I don't want to conform to the cornerstone. I want to be somebody else. What if we conform to a measure outside of the cornerstone? Well, what happens is that things don't line up. If you want to conform yourself to something else, say society or trends or public opinion or fear, which we heard about this morning, you will not be part of the, of the, of the alignment of the building. So think about it. Have you ever noticed if you've got a building and everything lines up and one brick sticks out, it looks weird? Right? Any floor weakens or at very least disfigures the building. And likewise, we need to conform to the cornerstone, to Jesus. That's why we study the life of Jesus, because we want to be like him, because he is the perfect cornerstone. Now, the next thing is that we are the living stone. So he was the first one and he's the cornerstone. But you and I are the living stones. We were dug out of the quarry of sin to be cemented together by the grace of God into his building. If you look at verse 5 from our passage in 1 Peter 2, it says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. So living stones are not just left uselessly scattered around. They're not just forgotten. God has a grand design for them and it's none other than being built into his spiritual house. We are not destined to be a pile of rubble. We are destined to rock. That's what I'm saying. We are destined to rock. Every believer is being fashioned to fit into a predetermined and unique place in the overall divine blueprint. So each part is being made part of the house of God. Remember Jesus rebuking the Pharisees when the Pharisee says, well, we are sons of Abraham. And he says this in Matthew 3, verse 9. 
He says, and do not presume to say to yourselves, we are the sons of Abraham. We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. You and I are those stones. We're the living stones. The children of Abraham raised up from stones, just as Jesus said. And this house that we are part of, it's not just a wall, it's a whole house. And it is an extraordinary building. It's not just a house, it's a temple. It exists for the sole purpose of worshipping God. And a holy priesthood is continually going to be offering sacrifices there. So what does this involve? Well, first of all, it involves spiritual growth. When we come to Christ, we don't join a church or an organization. We join the greatest family on earth. And I love saying this all around the world because I might be in the olden days when you used to be able to travel, I might be ministering in another country, in Europe or in Asia, and I'd say to them, hey, we're all brothers and sisters. It's just you, you got a better suntan than I do. You know, it's, it's fantastic that from every tribe and every nation, we will be gathered and we are one, not just a group, not just a denomination. We are a fellowship. We are all of us together. I was ministering um, this week with a, a pastor from another denomination. And he said, it's so great that you reach out beyond your denomination. And I said, well, my friend Bill Newman says this, don't worry about denominational tags, whether you're a Baptist or an ACC or whatever, because if you go up, they drop off. If you go down, they burn off. Don't worry about the tags. They're not going to mean anything in eternity. They're just labels for now. They don't mean it because we are all part of one family. And when we join this great family, we are taken off the scrap heap and figuratively placed into his building, his temple. See, coming to Christ, becoming a Christian and not knitting into a church is like being a living stone, but you're still on the pile. Raymond and I, well, Raymond has been building a block wall and I have been pretending to help him. And, and it, is, it is a really difficult task taking all of these, but he started with a pallet of all of these blocks and we've taken them bit by bit and we've put them in lines and everything else and filled in behind them because that's what God does. He doesn't leave you on the scrap heap. He puts you in the place that he wants you. So the second thing is that we are fashioned to fit. The great thing is when you become a Christian, God doesn't leave you where he found you. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it's one thing to be saved for all eternity, but isn't it great that he then redeems your life now? So you don't have to... Eternity, you know, eternal life, real life, is not something you just get you know, in the sweet by and by when you die sort of thing. Real life starts now. You can start living a life of victory now because he's not going to leave you on the scrap heap. He has infinite wisdom and he takes care to shape you perfectly to fit into his spiritual house. Now, every craftsman knows there is something amazing about building. How many of you have built something here? A few of you? Yeah, I mean, isn't it incredible how you start with a pile of wood and stuff like that and in the end you look at it and it's just, wow. I was talking to um, Tim during the week and I looked up at what he's done there at the back of our, our new offices building and it is so beautiful if you haven't seen it come down and see us it is amazing and it really looks fantastic and I said don't you feel great when you look at that and say wow I was part of that and I bet he does he's done a super job but any craftsman you know you take things of all sorts of shapes and sizes and materials and you put them together and a structure comes out 
And that's why Ephesians 2, verse 20 to 21, listen to this. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of God. We are part of the holy temple of God. Now, the the word joined together is really interesting. In the Greek, it's the word sanamologia, which means fitly framed in English, but it has a deeper meaning. It's actually an architectural term, which pictures the the intricate process in masonry of fashioning and fitting stones together. Now, it's comprised of three words. The key word is harmos, which means a joint. The prefix is sun or sun which means together with, and so it's a together joint. But then when it puts the word logio on, now if, if, you, if you know anything about Greek, probably not many of you do, but the word logos is the word for word, isn't it? Do you know that? But it's the same root here, logio, which means to speak intelligently or choose your words carefully. Some of us need to learn that. But putting it all together, it means a, a together joint that has been spoken or chosen carefully. What it's saying is, if you look at the picture, uh, you see a stonemason. He goes to this pile of living stones and he picks out a stone. That's you. And that's you. And it's you. And it's you. And he picks out that stone, but he doesn't leave it on the pile and he doesn't just whack it in the wall. What he does is he carefully looks at it, finds a place where it fits, then he chips away at the edge, piece by piece, an imperfection there, knocks a little bit off here. And what he's doing is he's shaping it to fit into the wall. And then he puts it in the wall and, well, it's not quite right. Let's knock a little bit more off. Let's... Yeah, could do, we can knock a bit. And so he goes through over a period of time, knocking little bits and pieces and edges off till it fits perfectly. This makes for not only a beautiful and strong wall, but a wall where every stone complements the other and complements the wall as a whole. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he's doing right now. I don't care what's happening in the rest of the world. That's what he's doing in his church right now. And consider this, every single stone is individual. They're all fashioned to shape and fit together for an overall purpose, but they're all still individual. What a beautiful picture of unity in the church. Every believer is unique. We're all individual, but to function properly, we need to fit. And to be fitted properly, we need to be shaped properly. The process of building the church is an ongoing process where every believer is being properly uh, cut and trimmed for the usefulness of the whole building. So the end result is we have this beautiful building that God is building. And all of it is important. A bay window is no more important than a, than a single nail in an architrave or a hallway tile or a roof truss. God needs all of these things to build his building. They're all different, but they're all part of what God is doing. And it's about to get exciting. It really is. So let me ask you, first of all, are you lined up? Those of you online, are you lined up? Each stone is placed according to the Creator's design. And all of it, the entire house lines up with what? What does it line up with? The cornerstone. So the first step is, are you lined up with the cornerstone? That's my question to you. Many of us, you know, some of you have have, have realized this. You kind of line up with the cornerstone and over time you sort of misalign a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, so, so... I believe it's, it's always a good time for us to say, hey, are we lining up on the cornerstone? 
It's really important that we do it or else nothing quite fits right. And some of you here have felt like that in the past. I know I have. I've attended church and even been involved, but I still struggled to find where I fit. And maybe I needed a bit of shaping and a bit of, you know, fashioning to fit snugly. But I believe God has a place for us in his body. And if you're here in this room or watching us online, chances are it's part of this expression of his body right here. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to realize that he's the stone on which God's whole house aligns, not some man-made idea, God's idea. They can come in and put restrictions on us, but I'm telling you now, God is going to prevail. I'm telling you now, he is going to continue to build his church. So we're not to live with man's ideas, but with God's ideas, and we're able to live our lives with reference to him, and then we will never be put to shame, as that verse in, in Peter said, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. But those who reject him, of course, will stumble over him and trip right into judgment. So here's the bottom line. I want you to be a rock star. Well, not like those rock stars. You could argue whether they're living or dead, but they are the Rolling Stones. But that is not... I don't know, they, if you base it just on looks, I'm pretty... Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, Keith. Um, Keith Richards. My desire is that you find your place. I want you to be a rock star. And God shaped you so that you can fit in. You, you, you are destined to be a rock star. Not that one, another rock star. Because God wants you to be a rock star. See, God has a plan. Can we get rid of those guys? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> See, I can't get any satisfaction. Um, God has a plan and he has a place for you. And it all starts when you give your life to him. When you give the broken pieces of your life to him, it all starts. You remember that old song, Something Beautiful, Something Good? Yeah. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was what? Brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. Isn't that incredible? And that's what he does. He takes all your broken pieces and all your sharp angles and all your faults and all your shortcomings and all your sin. And he, if you let him, he will fashion you. He will knock those edges off so that you fit perfectly in his kingdom. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have a 201 because we want, what we do in 201 is we look at your spiritual gifts, what's important, what floats your boat spiritually. Because if we as a church know that my job as a pastor is not to preach and it's not to, you know, do all of this stuff my job really my calling as a pastor is to train equip and release you and so if you have something burning in your heart if you want to be part of this temple and really achieve something incredible then we need to find out your gifts and make sure you can serve the lord doing what you love is that a good plan good because it's god's plan if you ever wanted to do something significant for Jesus, it's a good, this is a good part of the wall to be built into here. Even when we move, it'll be a good part of the wall. <coughs> God said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1, listen to this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was appointed as a prophet before he was born. Before he even drew breath. While he was in the womb, God appointed him a prophet. God had a plan from that. And I believe God has the same for you. 
Before you were born, God had you earmarked. He had a unique destiny planned out for you. Now, you might have walked away. You might look at your life and say, man, I messed up my life. But here's the great news. God redeems your life. He takes what you've done in the past. He can wipe that slate clean. And he can say, I have a plan for your life going forward. You might feel like you're a brick discarded on a heap of rubble somewhere. But right now, Jesus, the one who loves you, the one who died for you, can take the broken pieces of your discarded life and make it new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I love this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Why do we keep going back to the old? It's gone. The new has come. And the new is being built into God's special building. You're not just destined to be a rock or to be stoned or to be a, a, a stone on a pile of rocks. You are a rock star in God's dwelling. But you have to be prepared to have a few edges knocked off. That hurts sometimes. Have you noticed that? It does. But you can rest assured that you're being shaped and fashioned to fit perfectly into God's place for you. But here's the cool thing. Let's take it all the way in this passage. If you keep reading in that first passage where Peter, Peter talks about us being living stones, shaped and fashioned to fit perfectly into God's house, then he starts to mix his metaphors. Listen to this, verse 9. This is really significant because this is right on the end when he's talking about living stones. This is right at the very end he says this. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you give your heart fully to Jesus, when you yield to the Holy Spirit, he fashions and shapes you, but then... And then he places you in his building, but then something incredible happens. You become his royal priesthood. Now, in the Old Testament, only one tribe was allowed to be priests. That was the tribe of Levi. No one else could do it. If you look back, uh, one of Saul's big things was he usurped that role. He decided to do the priestly thing instead of the kingly thing in disobedience to God. Only one tribe was allowed to be priests. But now, in the new covenant, we are all called to be priests. We're all royal priesthood and all of us can connect directly to God and pray and worship him and have a close relationship. That's what a, pri a priest has that connection to God. He's a hotline to God, if you like. And all of us have that opportunity, not the special people. So if I'm a pastor, I have no greater or less opportunity to connect with God than you do. We are all of us priests together. But what's even more incredible is he has grafted us into his royal family that makes us royalty galatians 4 verse 5 says this to redeem those who are under law so that we might receive adoption as sons and because you are sons god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son or a daughter and if the son then you are an heir through god this is the incredible thing when we become christians we become royalty when you, when you are adopted into Jesus' family, he's the king of kings. And what does that make you? A princess and a prince. He is royalty and you've been grafted into that line. And some of us need to be reminded of that today, that we are actually royalty. Some of us need to act not like the royal pain we might be, but like royalty. We really do. 
because royals act differently, sometimes not so good, but other times great. Royals act different. They have different constraints on their life, different callings to their life, and you are royalty, and you are a priest, and you are a living stone fashioned into who God wants you to be and placed where he wants you to be. I believe that it is no accident that you are here today or you are tuning in online or up at the chapel or wherever it is um, because you have gifts and skills and God has predestined all of this because he's always had a plan. I've had people say to me, I've even had Christians say to me, man, the world is so out of control. Where's God in this? I'm telling you, God has a plan. He was not surprised by all this junk going on. He just wasn't. He has a plan, and I believe we are going to see our nation turn to Christ as a result of this, this uh, crisis that we have currently. He has a plan. Ignite is part of the plan, and maybe it's part of his plan for you too. See, today, I want to challenge you to let God shape you and place you where you can shine for him. I really, you know, you can go through life just, just squeaking through. You can go through life just just living life and working and having a family and all that sort of stuff, and that's all fine. But wouldn't you like to do something that was incredible for God? Wouldn't you like to do something that was just reverberated throughout eternity? Would you like to do that? I would. I don't want to die knowing that I could have done so much more for the Lord. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Schindler's List. But there's a moving part right at the end. Some of you won't watch this because it's black and white, but trust me, it's a very cool black and white, all right? And it's all about um, him. Um, Schindler's this German guy who was exploiting uh, these Jews, and, and, but in the end he finished up spending his whole fortune saving them. But there's a part right at the end. He's on the run. The Allies are coming. The Russians are coming. They're going to uh, arrest him and probably kill him. So he's got to run. And he meets all of these Jews that he'd hidden away in this factory. And, and they came to him and they said, thank you for saving our lives. And I remember he looked, at, he looked at his ring and he said, look at this ring. If I'd have sold this, I could have bought another 50, 50 lives. Look at this car. If I'd have sold this, I could have bought another 100 lives. And he looked back and he had done some incredible things, but he looked back and thought, man, I could have done more. I could have saved more. I could have reached out more. And that's the challenge that I received this morning from being a living stone. I want to be a guy who does more, who whatever we step up to do with God as God has planned, that it reverberates throughout history. I don't want to just squeak through, and I hope you don't either. You know, Christianity is not a spectator sport. We're on the field, and we're playing, and we get the chance to be a part of a winning team. And I don't care what they're talking about in the media. We're on the winning side. I know I've read the book. We win. And the, and the, the church of God will go on in triumph. And he will return one day for a spotless bride. And you and I can be built into that right now. So I want to encourage you that it is time to let God fashion you. Don't let all this COVID stuff just wipe you out and say, oh, well, gosh, all we can do is just get by. All we can do is just put a mask on and go to Aldi and squeak by. I believe God has so much more for you, don't you? And we are in, entering an incredible phase in our church where we are about to move into the center of our community and you could get no better launch pad to reach the people of this beautiful area than to be where we are and God's placed us in our lap and you're part of it. Isn't that exciting? So... 
The first step is if you've never asked Jesus into your life or if you're not sure, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Make sure, make absolutely sure. I've met people who've sat in church for years and they've never actually been sure whether they're saved or not. Let that not be you. This is your opportunity. So let me, let me lead you in that prayer first of all. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those who are searching right now. Thank you for those who are, who are sure that they are part of your plan, who are being honed and fitted into their, the house of God. But Lord, I want to pray for those who are not sure. Maybe there's some online who are not sure. If you're not sure that you've asked Jesus into your life as your Lord and Savior, then this is your moment. Just repeat these words after me and we'll do it together. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry for rejecting you. And right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and let me live a life that shines for you. But I know many of us here, most of us here, and probably most online, have already asked Jesus into our life. But not all of us have let him fashioned us to fit where we should fit. Many of us hold back. We go, oh, I don't want to get involved. It's too much work. It's too much hassle or quite frequently. Well, I tried getting involved at the last place and I got, it hurt and I got rejected. Well, I believe it's time to step up and say, Lord, start fashioning me that I might fit where you have destined for me to fit. So I want us all to pray this now. Let's say this together online. Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Fashion me. Fit me to your glory. Father, you just see the hearts of people who are committing to this. Lord, I pray that through the midst of this COVID time that we would not be in reverse, but that we would be in, in uh, top gear going forward, Lord God. I pray, Father, that as we come out of this time, and we will come out of this time at some point, Lord, that your church will be stronger, that more people will be in the kingdom, and that we will be more empowered and more influential than ever before. Father, I pray that you would just raise us up, your living stones, your holy priesthood, your royalty, that we might shine and live for you, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.